What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. Uh, today we are back in action here on the second to last day of June, believe it or not. Uh, we have not had a whole lot of content out the last couple weeks. I just got back from the College World Series out in Omaha last week, but we did release an episode that was not a sports episode earlier this week. I think we released it on Sunday. Fun conversation with Michael Davidson from the Traders, and this has nothing to do with baseball, but I will say he has an amazing life story. This guy was, when he was a small child, both of his parents were murdered. That's an amazing, that's pretty insane story for anyone to have. People like crime stories. Hear about how he overcame that to now be successful in his life and find joy in his relationship with Jesus Christ as a Christian. Um, really amazing life story. So if you didn't watch him on The Traders, you can skip ahead to the second hour there uh, and check out that episode. It was a lot of fun. We are going to talk today a lot of uh, MLB All-Star stuff. Um, we'll be back next week with probably another interview and probably some more sports content soon. But today, as I mentioned, we are talking MLB All-Star Game. We're only a little bit over a week out. Uh, it's Thursday, June 29th. The All-Star starters were just announced. And I got some bones to pick here. There are some uh, differences of opinion that I had from the fans. Uh, joining me today to discuss it all with me is one of the best in the game, one of the rising stars. <laughs> He's over at PHNX. He is the beat reporter covering the Arizona Diamondbacks. He also hosts uh, pregames and postgame shows on there with PHNX. I'll give him a chance to talk about that later on today as well. His name is Jesse Friedman. Jesse, great to have you on the show. Great to be with you, Jack. I, I don't think my life story is nearly as interesting as most of the people that you have on this show. I'm 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 incredibly boring compared to all these people, but ho hopefully I can provide some entertainment over the next hour or so. Well, it's funny because I feel like most of the sports reporters were kind of boring compared to the people we cover. But Manny Randawa, who we had on a few weeks ago, man, that guy, oh my gosh, what a life story that guy has. He's got the he's interesting. He's smart. He can talk ball and he's got an insane life story. Yeah, see, I'm you're just making my point, Jack. I'm just not I'm not Manny Randawa. I'm just not that interesting. But here I am anyway. So here we go. Manny, no, I'm saying Manny's the outlier. I mean, uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I am I that interesting? I guess maybe because people listen to my show, but people listen to your show, too, Jesse. You're interesting. For some reason, they do. For some reason, they do. I get a, lo a lot of them are bandwagoners because the Arizona Diamondbacks team I cover are actually quite good this year, uh, which a lot of people didn't expect. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we all know how this sport works. You know, if your team is is 15 games out of it at the All-Star break, there's just not going to be nearly as much interest as there is for a team like the D-backs who are sitting in first place in a star-studded NL West division. So uh, it's been good for business, Jack. That is that is for sure. <laughs> is the bandwagon filling up? Is it like, did people go from overnight just not being that into the Diamondbacks? Is it is it starting to, this generating buzz? Is it a real bandwagon? 
I would say it's generating some buzz. Uh, the the first game of the series they just played against the Tampa Bay Rays, they had like low mid twenty thousands at Chase Field, which is which is pretty good. I mean, a, a day. I guess that wasn't a day game, but it was the first game of the series early in the week. Usually at Chase Field, you're talking about fifteen thousand fans, something like that. Um, so this whole series against against the Rays, the D-backs have drawn pretty well, and obviously the Tampa Bay Rays are not the type of team that generally draws well themselves. So yeah, I think I think people are are gradually kind of jumping on the bandwagon here. Obviously, there's a long way to go, and D-backs fans have been wounded, you know, uh, many times in the past, thinking that their team was in it when in fact uh, things didn't work out that way. 2018 was a big example of that, but. Yeah, I mean, what what the team has done so far this year is exciting, and uh, we get to talk about a, a particular all-star starter from the Arizona Diamondbacks later in the show who I think very much did deserve that opportunity. Yeah, it's a really fun team. I picked them to make the playoffs coming into the year. Did you have them in the playoffs? I did not have them in the playoffs, no. Uh, I think I, I would have felt like too much of a homer if I, if I did. <laughs> Um, I think I had the D-backs winning around 83 games, something like that. I did have them above 500. I had them better than a lot of people probably did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you look up and down the roster and what's happened this season for a number of these guys. I thought Corbin Carroll would, would be good. I, I didn't think he would be this good right out of the gate. Uh, and, you know, there are other players who have taken significant steps forward this year as well. Cattell Marte has really gotten back to the player he was a couple of years ago. Lourdes Gurriel coming over from the Blue Jays has stepped up in a big way. So they're just, I mean, the stars have kind of aligned. There are just a lot of things going right for this baseball team, even though uh, they just kind of got their teeth kicked in by the Tampa Bay Rays. Last last couple of days for them haven't been quite so great. It is a fun team, as you mentioned. Uh you didn't have them in the playoffs. You weren't the only one. I got into a pretty intense argument with one Barry Bloom in Ooh. a press box. Yeah, he's not, a not hard to do. Not hard to do. <laughs> Great guy, though. Great guy. But he's he's uh yeah, he loves to talk in the press box. And I I had said I was like, I think Diamondbacks are gonna are going to win this division. Or not no, I didn't say that. I said I think they're gonna make playoffs. And he was like, Are you crazy? How could you say that? I that's that's <laughs> no, no chance. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think that would have been very much the reaction if I, uh, coming out of the gate, had said the Diamondbacks were going to make the playoffs. I mean, coming into the year, right, you had the Mets, you had the Padres, you had the Braves, you had the Dodgers, uh, you had the St. Louis Cardinals, who were kind of viewed as sort of a lock to, to win the Central Division. It just felt like it was an extreme uphill battle for, for any team. I guess the Phillies is the other team I should mention. I mean, they were literally in the World Series last year. So coming into the year, it felt like a lot of these playoff spots in the National League were basically already set in stone. It was just a matter of who who won their divisions and who got in via the wild card. But yeah, I mean, some teams in the National League haven't been what you expected them to be. The Mets have really struggled. The Padres have really struggled in particular. Uh, the Phillies haven't quite bounced back the, the way that people might have expected them to. So things are are still surprisingly wide open in the National League at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It feels like every, it, the, it was a consensus of the same six teams that made it last year going to make it again this year. Right. And right. I just felt something is going to shake up. I didn't shake up much more than that. I just had Philly falling out and Arizona sliding in. Um, I thought the Mets were solid. I thought the Padres – I don't want to say I thought the Padres were solid, but – 
I, I thought they would make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I did. And uh, the, the biggest surprise has got to be the Miami Marlins, though. I don't think anyone had them at 14 games above 500 a week out from the All-Star break. It's crazy what the Marlins are doing. And I still find myself like a little bit skeptical of the Marlins. And then they just keep winning and winning and winning. And I'm like, man, at some point I might have to come to terms with the fact that the Miami Marlins are a pretty good baseball team. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with Yuri Perez, right? Coming up and uh, doing what he's done at the age of 20. He's been an outstanding young starter for them. And their rotation as a whole, even though Sandy Alcantara suddenly is not good. Uh, he is an ERA around five after winning the Cy Young Award last year. Somehow, you know, they've had enough other starters step up and their lineup is is uh, better than I would have expected it to be. Jorge Soler has had a, a really nice bounce back year and obviously Luis Arise is uh, doing some pretty incredible things for them at second base. Yeah, I was one of the people that quickly wrote the article, the Marlins got fleeced in that Pablo Lopez trade and I will eat it. I mean, I, what Arias has brought to that team uh, offensively and I mean, he's batting close to 400. Don't necessarily know what his number is at right now. He's been floating up and down around 399, yeah. uh, which shout out to Elise Meneker. Elise Meneker does the, uh, she's on marquee sports network and also the SNY. She does a lot of stuff in New York. Elise Meneker does a lot of Cubs stuff. And Elise, her sophomore year at Cornell, batted 399. So I call her Miss 399. Luis Arias is doing his Elise Meneker impression. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I definitely did not see this team 14. It, they, I will say this, Jesse, they finally don't have a negative run differential anymore. They're now. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big run differential guy, and when I say that I was skeptical of them for so long, I will I will admit I figured, that yeah, a that a big long. a big part of that was just like, all right, this team is minus thirty five, and they're you know eight games over five hundred. Nah, you know the, these things have a way of balancing themselves out over time. But yeah, I mean the team is just getting better over time, and as you said, that that run differential is sort of corrected at this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of have to take the Marlins seriously as a contender in the National League at this point. Yeah, while we're here, we'll just kind of – I guess we can give a little bit of more of a rundown on the National League before we dive into our National League All-Stars. Uh, definitely biggest surprises for me, Mets, in, in a negative way, biggest surprises. Mets, eight games below 500. Cardinals, 13 below 500. And the funny thing is that – they're still in the hunt for the division. They're only nine <laughs> games back in the division. So if the Cardinals can rattle off one of these runs, which they've been known to do, where they win like 14 of 17, and Cincinnati plays a little bit of 500 baseball, like they're right back in the mix there. Um, but I, even saying that, they've looked so bad. Like they are one of, if not the, they aren't the worst team in the National League, but they are there. They are in the running for that title. Um, so Cardinals and then, yeah, Padres, seven games below 500. I'm honestly not shocked that the Padres aren't crushing it. I didn't think they'd win the division, but I'd expect them to at least to be a little bit above 500 at this point in the season. To see them seven below 500 makes you wonder what kind of moves could A.J. Preller make at this trade deadline. That's always the scary question this time of year, right? Is what is what is AJ Preller gonna do? Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I was just drinking the Kool Aid or something coming into the year, but I 
I believe I had the San Diego Padres winning the NL West. A lot of people um, did. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't alone in that. And, you know, the Dodgers coming into this year, they just seemed a little bit weaker than they've been in the past. And they, I mean, that has been the case. The Dodgers are certainly not the team that they were last year. Their bullpen has surprisingly been a, an enormous issue for them. Uh, but yeah, these Padres, and I, I don't get it. Uh, I still have a hard time understanding how the Padres have the lineup that they do and, and some of the pitchers that they do. And yet just day after day, it feels like the Padres are just losing series after series. They're not really gaining any ground. Uh, I guess a lot of that has to do with Manny Machado just kind of inexplicably having a down year. I know he was he was hurt earlier in the season. Xander Bogarts uh, in the first year of what was that an eleven year yeah. contract and so he's like sixty four years old or something. Uh, <laughs> that that the early returns there aren't great for the Padres. He's been all right. He hasn't been a below average player, but he certainly hasn't been a star. Uh, and a lot of the depth at the bottom of their lineup uh, hasn't been good either. So. I still kind of view the Padres as a sleeping giant, to be honest with you. They are, as we sit right now, they're still plus 19 on the year, talking about run differentials. They've scored more runs than they've allowed. I still think that they are, their true talent is an above 500 team, but at some point that has to be reflected in the standings. And I think they just lost a, a series to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So continues to be a, a rough go for them. Bad, bad time to drop a series to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were playing, I think they were 1-11, 1-13 yeah. over the last two weeks. So, um, But the other thing that I just can't understand in the NL West is the San Francisco Giants. How do they keep doing this? I mean, <laughs> I they are 10 games above 500. They're, the, uh, they're second place, two games back of the Diamondbacks. I am, once again, just... I, I, I thought two years ago was just lightning in a bottle but i mean and they're not they're not they don't have the same kind of success that they did two years ago yeah. where they won 107 games <laughs> but i looked at this roster when I'm, I'm thinking okay your middle of the lineup is going to be jock peterson mitch Haniger, and michael conforto and i'm thinking yeah good luck that's but for some reason they're 10 games above 500 what do you make of the giants at this point you're forgetting about late night Lamont, Jack. Late night Lamont, <laughs> Lamont Wade Jr. I don't, rem I honestly don't remember off the top of my head how the Giants even acquired Lamont Wade Jr. I do know it wasn't really a move of significance when it happened. Uh, but he has an on base percentage well over 400. Tyro Estrada, another guy that people might not really know, even though he plays for the San Francisco Giants, he's an everyday <laughs> player for them. Uh, outstanding defender at, at second base. He has around 20 stolen bases, just a great all-around player for them. Patrick Bailey has come up from the minors, and uh, people are calling him, you know, the next Buster Posey, of course. Any young catcher in San Francisco is going to get those comps, which I think is ridiculous. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the D-backs just played the Giants over the weekend. They were in San Francisco this past weekend. They lost two out of three games. And, and yeah, the Giants are just kind of a weird team, man. I mean, they find they find ways to win games. They they're like nine and two in bullpen games or something like that, which they've done a lot of. And a lot of the guys who are starring in that lineup are guys whose names you might not have heard necessarily. It's it's really impressive what they've been able to pull off. When I I would never forget about late night Lamont, <laughs> but coming into the season. I felt like you were thinking, okay, they made their moves. They went out and they got Handiger and they got Conforto and they got Jock Peterson, the reigning all-star. And I just I didn't see it with this team. But 
the yeah. other the other team in this division that we should mention with the Dodgers, you mentioned it. You were low on the Dodgers coming into the year. I had them winning the division out of respect, but sure. as I mentioned a year ago, almost a year ago, I had Dan O'Dowd, uh, MLB Network analyst, former Rockies GM. And he was the one who tipped me off to Arizona. He's like, Arizona is really, really close to being really, really good. Um, so I listened to Dan. I bought my Diamondback stock early. I'm very happy I did. <laughs> but the thing that I think I wasn't surprised by is at this point, the Dodgers, this is such a different team. Like they've lo- the, the, the core of all those guys that went to won all those divisions, went to the World Series, won the World Series. And obviously, there's some a couple of them left over, Max Muncy, and then they got Fred sure. Freeman recently, and they got Mookie Betts. Seager, Bellinger, Turner, they're all gone. Like, these guys are gone. And, yes, they have Will Smith, and I'm certain we'll talk about him in a second. But at this point, the Dodgers are – they're bringing up a lot of talent this year. They got a lot of young guys. I think the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are pretty equal with each other. Like for the last decade, it had been Dodgers up here, Diamondbacks down here. Are they like this now? <laughs> I mean, I guess the standings would say they're pretty close. I mean, as we're as we're talking right now, it's a two and a half game difference between those two teams. So yeah, I mean, in terms of how they've performed this year, I I do think they. I mean. Look at the run differential there. They're almost identical. Those teams really have been pretty much neck and neck for a good portion of the season. I still will say, and, and I've cautioned Diamondbacks fans on this, this is sort of my full-time job. The Dodgers aren't really healthy right now. They've been without Julio Urias for a while. They've been without Dustin May. Oh, I think he's still going to miss some more time. Obviously, Walker Bueller has missed the entire season so far. The Dodgers at full strength compared to the Diamondbacks at full strength is a very different conversation than the Dodgers right now and the Diamondbacks right now, which I will admit, I mean, I, I think those two teams are pretty similar. Uh, in the long run, I mean, I think you, the Dodgers have probably more proven assets. Uh, you know, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts are obviously bona fide stars in this game. I think Will Smith is pretty much on that level as well. J.D. Martinez has had uh, a big bounce back year for them. They're like front four in their starting lineup is probably as good as any in baseball. I'm not sure the Diamondbacks compares with that. But yeah, I mean, they have they have their issues, right? As you said earlier, they've relied on some younger players this season, something they haven't really had to do in the past. And the results have been a little bit mixed there. Some guys have have done great. Bobby Miller came up and and you know looked like an ace, and then he's kind of taken a step back and uh, you know, James Altman looked like the favorite for rookie of the year. It was far in front of Corbin Carroll of the D-backs early on. And, and now he's kind of taken a step back. So the Dodgers are just playing a different game this year, having to rely on so many young players. Well, they also sort of went into this year like, let's have a year under the luxury tax. There's a big time free agent we're going to want to pursue in about yeah. nine months. <laughs> so, I mean, personally, though, while I agree with you about the top of their lineup, the depth and the length of the lineup, I would take Arizona. I, I don't want I, – I mean, it's unbelievable to me. I know because they've had some injuries, but Jason Hayward has had to play a lot. Yeah, he's like he's like hitting cleanup for them a lot. Yeah, and that's, crazy. that's yeah. not good. <laughs> not in 2023. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although, I mean, he has been better, right? Like, of course, the thing the thing did happen where the you know the the bad player goes to the Dodgers and suddenly they rediscover uh, their old form. He hasn't been great uh, by any means, but he has been at least I think like a league average, maybe a little bit above league average player for them. Uh, and I mean, frankly, a lot that's that's a big part of what the Dodgers have done over the last few years is you know pick players off of the scrap heaps of other teams and turn them into to star level players right Justin Turner and Chris Taylor's been really good there for a long time and Max Muncie as you as you mentioned earlier these players were not great with with the teams that they came from Jason Hayward 240 337 but the OPS is 797 he's got he's tapping into some power that had been gone eight home runs but I don't know where you stand on RBI I like RBI. A lot of you, you young guys. I mean, <laughs> I'm saying young guys. You're like three years younger than me. But a lot of you guys are like, oh, not big on RBI. Only 17 RBI if he's your cleanup man. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I don't know if RBI are necessarily like a like a predictive stat, but I think they are a good like descriptive stat. Going into my full like math nerd mode here, I was a math <laughs> teacher like like a year ago, so it kind of happens every now and then. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're you know they say more about the past than they necessarily do about the future. But yeah, I think we can all agree that Jason Hayward is probably not an ideal cleanup hitter <laughs> in the majors, even though he's had a nice bounce back this season. I'm certain people are now going to want to know. So you were a math teacher a year ago. Why don't you tell that story? Oh sure. Um, yeah, uh, pretty crazy how, how this all happened. Uh, I went to Azusa Pacific University, a uh, small private school in Southern California, majored in math, minored in journalism. Uh, so I kind of got, I had these two very different interests growing up. <laughs> I was interested in being a math teacher. Math was always something that I loved growing up for whatever reason. I know very few people can actually relate to that. Um, but I also love sports, and I grew up in Arizona watching the Diamondbacks and everything. So I was interested in, in pursuing journalism and broadcasting. So, yeah, I found a, a good opportunity at Azusa Pacific to do both of those things and then became a math teacher right out of college because working in the sports industry seems too brutal and difficult and unrealistic. And when you're an adult, you have bills to pay and you don't have time to, you know, these kinds of things were running through my head. So I became a math teacher and very happy, uh, very happy doing that taught up in the Seattle area for a couple of years. And then uh, I was still doing a D-backs podcast on the side. Uh, the rattle is what it, what it was called uh, way, way back in the day. And uh, yeah, this this new company called PHNX that I work for now found that show and uh, wanted to hire me to cover the D-backs full time. And as great as being a math teacher was, it's pretty hard to turn down a, a full time job offer to you know cover the team that you grew up watching. So uh, the big, big God thing, just, you know, one yeah. thing sort of leading to another and happy to be where I am right now. Man, it's, it's such an awesome story. It's really cool uh, to hear about. And um I'm certain we'll dig into it uh, in greater detail sometime. Today, we are going to get into these National League All-Stars. So here's how we're going to do this. I, I want to do NL first. I'm glad we're doing NL first. Everybody always does AL first. We're the NL first podcast. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We are going to tell you who is starting in the All-Star game. They announced this just a couple of hours ago. And we will say who 
we might have had start in that spot instead. We'll say, I'll ask Jesse, Jesse, is this who you had? Jesse will tell me yes or no. And if no, he will say who should have started. And perhaps I will give a rebuttal. Perhaps we, maybe we have a situation where someone's starting and we pick two different people. That would be, that would be wild. Probably going to happen. Some of these were pretty close for me, Jack. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Well, let's get going here. National League catcher, uh, Sean Murphy, the new acquisition now with the Atlanta Braves, uh, having an outstanding season. Did you have Sean Murphy as your catcher? I did have Sean Murphy as my catcher. Why? Um, it was close for me between him and Will Smith yep. because Will Smith has had an outstanding season. I think those are I think those are probably the two clear cut candidates there. What it ultimately came down for me is defense. Uh, Will Smith, just looking at some of the basic defensive metrics, it's pretty clear that Sean Murphy is a better defensive catcher than Will Smith, uh, particularly catching base stealers. I was somehow not aware of this for Will Smith in the past. I don't have the number in front of me, but he's been he's really struggled with that this year. Oh, I remember a game. Wow. I remember a game early in the season where the Diamondbacks stole like six bases in a game or something off of Will Smith. Um, and at a certain point, he like wasn't even bothering to to throw anymore. So uh, yeah, I think defensively, there's a pretty big gap between those two. Offensively, they've both been spectacular. Uh, so Sean Murphy ultimately got the edge for me. Wow, that's really interesting because. I had Will Smith, but you just sold me on Sean Murphy because I didn't know that about <laughs> throwing guys out, and that's so incredibly valuable because I Sean or uh, Will Will Smith's defensive metrics look pretty good too. Yeah, he's not a, like a terrible defensive catcher. It's just that specific area where I yeah, think he and struggles. Murphy is just amazing. And the numbers I made these numbers on Monday, so these are who should have been All Star on Monday. It's not Thursday. <laughs> Will Smith. Slash line, 291, 407, 925. I do OPS. I don't do slug in my slash line. Uh, Sean Murphy, 290, 388, 925. They both have 12 home runs. 41 RBI for Will Smith. 43 for Sean Murphy. Uh, the only thing that I noticed here that where Will Smith was better was war. And I actually went with Will Smith. My logic at the time, so 2.9 war, Murphy 2.5. My logic was I'm more impressed with Will Smith's offensive numbers than I am Sean Murphy's because sure. of the lineup in Atlanta is very, very, very good. Um, so it's easier to compile stats when you're on a very good team. And as I mentioned, I haven't been that wowed with the Dodgers lineup. So I, my kind of thought at the time of doing this was Will Smith is more valuable to the Dodgers than Sean Murphy is. However, I flipped when you said that about the base <laughs> stealer. So I'm with you on this. I'd say they got it right. I just, I just found the numbers. So this year opposing base stealers are 46 for 52 against Will Smith. That is, that's pretty crazy. That's right yeah. around a 90% success that's rate. Insane. Obviously, stolen bases are up across the league this year, right? Given the, the rule changes and all that. But 46 out of 52 is kind of like, you're a bit of a liability behind the plate if guys are having that much success uh, against you. 100%. Yeah, you sold me. I'm, uh, I'm in on Murphy. First base, Freddie Freeman receives a nod. 
was Matt Olson the other finalist in this one? Uh, like in terms of the the voting, like the fans actually vote, yeah, there. I think, two. yeah, I think it was yeah. Matt Olson. I think it was pretty much any Freddy. any brave who is like on the edge, <laughs> of course, was going to be a finalist, right? That that fan base is pretty uh pretty impressive. I had Freddie. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of debate here. Uh, yeah, I also have Freddie Freeman. Christian Walker, I will say, of the Diamondbacks, probably deserves a shout-out here. He's a very underrated first baseman in the National League. I think there's a case to be made that Christian Walker maybe uh, would be higher on the list than Paul Goldschmidt, uh, which I guess is something that uh, will decisions will have to be made on that in the coming days as to who's the backup behind Freddie Freeman. But, yeah, there's no question. Freddie Freeman has been the most productive first baseman in the National League, he's solid defensively and the clear-cut favorite with what he's done offensively. Yeah, good job, fans, on these first two. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Christian Walker because it, it's we really shouldn't be quibbling with who is the number two guy with the fans, but I <laughs> would have had Christian Walker and Paul Goldschmidt above Olsen. Um, yeah. So I really think that, I think that uh, reserve position – should be between those two. And then you mentioned Lamont Wade Jr. He's also up there. And then the other guy who I'll just throw another name out there who who's having a very good season, but not quite at the same level is Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer is uh, with the Reds, 274, 361, 838, 11 home runs, eight stolen bases. So he's helping out on the base pass too. Those those Reds man, those Reds, they're they're sneaky, right? Yeah, a, lot we, of, a lot of these names people don't know yet, but uh, yeah, Spencer <laughs> Steer is a, he's a he's a good he's a good young player. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about the NL Central uh, when we were run, we mainly spent a lot of time in the NL West, but uh, the the Reds, I would have them as my favorite to win the NL Central at this point in the season. Not a not a crazy take, Jack. I I. I might agree with you. I haven't given that one a whole lot of thought. Um, I think they're probably the team. <laughs> it's not worth would, your time. <laughs> no, the Central is just, in both leagues, right? The Central is just kind of a crapshoot, and none of us really know what to do with it. But it is a fascinating division. I mean, the Cardinals were the clear-cut favorite coming into the season. Uh, the Cubs, I, I believe, still have a positive run differential. They're like the only team in the division with a positive run differential. Kind of feels like maybe they're the the, uh, the true best team in that division, the Pirates started off so incredibly hot. There was a time when people thought the Pirates were going to run away with it, uh, and the Brewers have just kind of been hanging around. Uh, people certainly thought they'd be in the mix. And then the Reds, uh, as you just said, they're they're in the lead right now, and I don't think it's crazy to pick them to, to finish the job. I think it'll be the Reds and the Brewers. Come, it'll be between those two teams. Uh, because the Reds right now, there's a special buzz there. They have legit cornerstone franchise young players that are up there the cubs do not have that the pirates have kind of they have jack sawinski yeah <laughs> they have some like good players but i mean o'neill cruz comes back their pitching is probably like they need some time for more, some of those pitchers to come up uh and the brewers are just a steady team that's always going to be somewhat competitive like around 500 so i think you'll see the brewers and the reds in the, in the long run for that division. And the Cubs right now are just such a an average team. Like they're a team that is going to play terrible and they're going to go on a run like they just did a week ago and they're going to they're gonna look great, but then they're going to go on another run and they're going to look really bad. 
So I honestly think the best thing that could happen for the Cubs is if they had, if they continue to struggle here in as we move into the month of July. So that way they can get some value for some of these players when they get to the yeah. trade deadline. Yeah, I think the rest of the baseball world, I, I, I hate to be hating on Chicago. Someone <laughs> I know is, is from there. But uh, but yeah, pretty much every baseball fan of, of like, you know, a contending team, a team that could be buying, everyone's begging for the Cubs and the White Sox to just kind of tank for the next few weeks and, you know, sell off Marcus Stroman, sell off Drew Smiley, the White Sox, sell off Lucas Giolito, some of the relievers they have there. There's a lot of a lot of pieces to be sold with the Cubs and the White Sox in what is otherwise looking like a pretty thin uh, market at the trade deadline for pitching. So the rest of the league would be would be very happy uh, if the if the Cubs and the White Sox have a couple couple rough weeks here. I was thinking, you know, who should really try to get the like maybe just do a deal where they could get two Cubs pitchers, like get Smiley and Stroman would be the Angels. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, the there's there are so many rotation. teams. There are so many teams, though, that you could probably make like the same case for. There's well, so many teams that many need teams starting need pitching. Two pitchers. Well, the, di- the Diamondbacks arguably need three, so uh, <laughs> so they they'd probably be in the in the mix there as well. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I think we all, and no matter what happens with the Cubs and and the White Sox, I think we're all pretty clear there's going to be way more. Uh, demand and there is supply for a lot of things at the trade deadline. So I'm going to bring something interesting here because if the Cubs and the Sox finish below 500, which it looks like both will, I don't know. The Cubs might not. We'll see. <laughs> they might just be right at 81 and 81. Um, this will be the worst year in Chicago sports history. This will be the worst. I did some digging. I did this a couple wow. weeks ago. The last, there have only been one, two, three, four seasons that the Bulls, Cubs, Bears, White Sox, and Blackhawks all missed the playoffs in the same year. That's only happened four wow. times. So the last one was 2004, and that year, the Cubs and White Sox finished with winning records. The Cubs won 89 games and just missed the playoffs. They weren't bad by any means. So then you go back 2001, same thing. Cubs won 88 games that year. White Sox won 83. 1999 uh, was probably the worst one. Definitely was the worst one before this one. Uh, Every team had, I believe, a losing record. But this year it's going to be even worse because you had two teams that had the number one pick in their respective traps. <laughs> at least the Blackhawks got Connor Bedard, right? That's yeah. the that's the big that's the big news in town at this point. That's what everyone's excited about. Yeah, people are excited. I mean you had that and now and people are still just talking about the baseball and eventually training camp will start up and people get excited about a Bears team that'll probably be okay at best. <laughs> yeah, well the Cardinals will probably be worse. So uh thing, things in Arizona on the football front aren't aren't great either. <laughs> So we move along to second base in the National League. And this one was a slam dunk. Luis Arias, uh, same for you, I would think, right? Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's no question here. Uh, I mentioned Tyro Estrada earlier. You know, there are some second basemen who have had some some decent seasons. Cattell Marte with the Dimes also had a really good underrated season. But there's no question. I mean, it, the, the man is hitting around 400. I mean... There's no like there's no possible performance that could top that from any of those guys. Like even if one of them had a 
a 1000 OPS or something, I still think that Luis Arise, just given the historic nature of what he's done so far, he, he deserves that opportunity. Cattell Marte was not a finalist, although he should have been. Yeah. And I've actually heard from a source that Cattell Marte got more votes than Arias did. But they lost, they're missing in Maricopa County. Oh, there we go. Ah, it was like, uh, huh? I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard that one. I figured I would have picked up on that. Well played, Jack. Well played. Maricopa County. They can't find the missing votes. The voting machines aren't working. We do have some issues with that around here, allegedly. <laughs> Very reliable source, by the way. Very reliable. Yes. I just got off the phone with them earlier. <laughs> okay. Uh, now third base is Nolan Arenado was named the starting third baseman. Nolan Arenado is really not having that much of a Nolan Arenado year. So I'm curious who you would have selected here, Jesse. Yeah, this was as of a couple days ago, my selection, which I I think would be the same now, is J.D. Davis of the San Mm. Francisco Giants, Uh, which I was a little bit on the fence here, to be honest, because, yeah, like, Third base is supposed to be stacked in the National League, but Nolan Arenado like got out of the gates terribly, and Manny Machado, as we discussed earlier, was hurt and just hasn't been the same since he came back. Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves, uh, who is also in that mix, he just hasn't really been the player that he was last year. I was close to picking Jimer Candelario, to be honest with you. He was, he was my number two option. He's had a nice year for the Nationals, but J.D. Davis was my, was my pick here, but it's all pretty close. I, I don't think there's a clear candidate at third base in the National League. How about Condelario, who they just picked up as scraps from the the Tigers, just let him go. They did yeah. not tender him. Nice pickup. You get an all-star potential. Not, a, not what you think of as an all-star, but like that next rung, like guy who could potentially start in the all-star game this year in the National League, one of the best National League third basemen up to this point. Uh, I actually went in a different direction than you did. What do we got? Do you want to guess? Um, Someone you haven't named yet. Oh, man. Um, Let's see. I'm looking at third. Uh, Do you have Max Muncy? No. No No Max Muncy. Um, Ryan McMahon? Yes. Okay. I went with the man who replaced... Nolan Arenado in Colorado, and I had him replacing Nolan Arenado in the All Star game this year. Wow, it's profound. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Ryan McMahon. Uh, now, obviously, they're the core splits. Uh, he hasn't been terrible on the road. I mean, he's been he's fine on the road. Sure, uh, two sixty three, three forty six, eight thirty is a slash line, which is I mean the the OPS is about the same as JD Davis. The uh, OBP and batting average are a little lower because J.D. Davis, 285, 364, 833. Uh, McMahon does have two more home runs. RBI totals are about the same. But here's where I went with McMahon. J.D. Davis is a minus glove. He's a minus three. Fully agree. He's not a good defender. Yeah, and Ryan McMahon is a pretty good glove. Ryan McMahon is a good defensive third baseman. So it's just funny because, I mean, I like I'm not thinking of – I don't really think of either of these guys as being like stars 
but taking a look at what is the best of what we have, I would have gone with Ryan McMahon. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, looking at their numbers, Ryan McMahon has a, I don't know, am I allowed to use WRC plus? How how sure. how, how yeah. far into nerd town am I allowed to go? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> as, acceptable. As far as you want. <laughs> so WRC plus, for those who don't know, it's just a, an advanced all-encompassing offensive stat where 100 is league average. So it's really easy to read. Um, so Ryan McMahon is at 108 as of right now. And, uh, JD Davis is at a hundred, uh, 130. So there's a pretty big, pretty big difference there. Offense wise, obviously Ryan McMahon, as you've alluded to, has the advantage of playing course field. So you kind of have to have like some sort of a park adjusted metric in order to account for that. But I fully agree with you. JD Davis is a liability on defense. I've heard that the, the giants just, uh, I mean, he just put in tons of work over the offseason to try to become just like a viable everyday third baseman for them. And I think he's sort of done that. I think he's been all right over there. But yeah, Ryan McMahon is is significantly better. And obviously, Nolan Arenado, you know, would be even a, a, another step up from that. So at the end of the day, it kind of comes down uh, for me, and I guess is a conversation we'll maybe have about other players. Like, how much do you want to factor in defense into who's starting in the all-star game. Cause like I'm a big wins above replacement guy, but looking at wins above replacement, it, it kind of leads me to make some decisions that I feel like fans wouldn't really love. Uh, like I think it had like Hassung Kim of the San Diego Padres <laughs> being like the second most valuable second baseman. And he, he provides a lot of value in other ways, but like people don't want to see a guy who has like a 680 OPS, uh, you know, a, as an all-star, it, it just, I feel like the spirit of the game and what people want to see is like that offensive firepower. So for me, I kind of use defense as sort of like a tiebreaker, uh, mm. you know, kind of something on, on the margins that I'll look at. Uh, but at the end of the day, JD Davis was a significant enough step up from Ryan McMahon that I would, I would pick him, but it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. Ryan McMahon has been a, an underappreciated run producer for the Rockies for a long time. And we don't want to entirely dismiss that just because he plays have of his games in course field i think that defense for me the way i approach this is who is the best player at each position up to this point and for me defense is huge because you spend more innings of the game impacting the game in the field than you do in the batter's box yeah it's fair so I, have no, I have no comeback to that. That is yeah, true. So, and it's, it might not be a fun and exciting the fans. My all-star game is who I, that's how I go after who I think is the best. So um, I would just go with Ryan McMahon. It was hard. I didn't heavily lean in his direction, but he does have a 2.4 wins above replacement, which is a full win. It's better than JD Davis. Yeah. I guess it depends on your, um, are we using baseball reference war fan graphs war? Oh, I was using uh, whatever ESPN's war is. No, no, baseball reference. Sorry. Baseball okay. Reference. Yeah. So, yeah, I have Fangraph's war, and they have J.D. Davis at two, and then they have Ryan McMahon at 1.6. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. It's it's honestly annoying that we have, like, two prominent uh, <laughs> websites that do. I mean, and in, in Baseball Prospectus has a warp. Uh, too, which people don't talk about very much, but there's really like three war metrics out there and they don't always tell the same story. They kind of weight different things. So I guess it depends on if you prefer baseball references algorithm to fan graphs algorithm, but 
they're they're roughly on the same footing there, I guess we can say. So we move along to shortstop, and it's Orlando Arcia is the starting shortstop for the All-Star game for the Atlanta Braves. Did you have Orlando Arcia, or did you have somebody that plays in front of you in Arizona? <laughs> you you uh, you read me right, Jack. Uh, this, <laughs> one, this one was really hard for me, honestly, because – uh, there haven't really been any great shortstops in the National League yeah. in the first oh half. Like, gosh. what happened to Trey Turner? Right? Uh, it, it's been a, it's been a little weird. I know Francisco Lindor was the other finalist uh, from Phase One, and he didn't deserve that opportunity. Frankly, um, he just hasn't really had a, a great first half for for the New York Mets. So I did ultimately settle on Geraldo Perdomo of the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is an outrageous decision. I mean, if you'd asked me before <laughs> the season started. Uh, Geraldo, you know, that Geraldo Perdomo, could he possibly start uh, for the NL in the All-Star game? I would have said you were utterly crazy. Geraldo Perdomo last season had the lowest OPS in baseball among hitters who had 500 or more plate appearances. He was not a good hitter in his first full season in the majors. And frankly, I wrote about this the other day uh, over on gophnx.com. I, I wrote a story looking at some of the underlying metrics and whatnot. And frankly, Jack, they tell the story that Geraldo Perdomo is probably overperforming uh, substantially. Mm. Uh, so for those of you who are maybe into you know the more analytic side and, and what some of those numbers would suggest, I'm not sure that Geraldo Perdomo is going to stay at the level that he's been at. But if you compare his offensive numbers to Orlando Arcia, he's been better. If you compare his war to Orlando Arcia, he's been better. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I think, is another name we probably have to mention here. And, and on that one, I guess I'll revert back to what I said earlier, where for me, defense is a little bit more of a, of a tiebreaker, not something like, I don't want to put Dansby Swanson in the All-Star game just because he's a great defender and he's like a league average hitter. So, But I was really torn here. This was the hardest decision for me out of all of them, I think. But I did somehow settle on Geraldo Perdomo starting for the <laughs> National League. I do think it's funny that we just had this we had this winter where everyone was talking about all these young shortstops and shortstops were taking over the game. And really, shortstop has not been that impressive of a position no. this year. No. Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, and even Swanson. I mean, if Swanson were to start this game, I mean, I don't know. I, I He's been kind of underwhelming in Chicago, in all honesty. I watch him play yeah. a lot. He's hitting 268, 357. Um, so yeah, I mean his his OPS is is high seven hundreds. I think it's like seven seventy-four, something 767 like that. Seven sixty-seven as of Monday. These are my Monday stats that I'm using. So yeah, I mean it's it's pretty weak for a starter, right? I mean, of course, a number of years ago, short like a seven seventy-four OPS or whatever it is for a shortstop would be pretty darn good. But in this day and age, that's that's pretty low for a starter. And not to say Geraldo Perdomo is necessarily blowing that out of the water, uh, but he is still at uh, eight eight fifty roughly, uh, which is you know I mean that's a decent step up from from where Dansby Swanson is. Yeah, I had Port, I had Perdomo, and then I actually had Arcia as my number two, so I actually didn't think the Arcia pick was bad. Yeah, and I mean shout out to Arcia though. This is a great story. Who was a guy who was a big time prospect coming up through the Brewers farm system not that long ago and the brewers gave up on him i think it was two years ago maybe three years ago braves just picked him up and <laughs> he's having a better year by some metrics 
than Dansby Swanson is, who they let walk from the team. Yeah, it is really crazy. The Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves are starting to become like the Dodgers, where yeah. they just have like this this magic wand, and you know, suddenly some guy comes over from another team who wasn't playing well, and uh, you know, knowing knowing that uh, that front office, it'll probably only be a matter of time before Orlando RC signs you know an, an eleven year extension or something within the, within the next few weeks. So <laughs> be on be on the lookout for that. Um, and then. The other one, I will just say, I really wanted to find a reason to vote Ellie De La Cruz into the All-Star game in this position. <laughs> if you all up just a little sooner, a little sooner, only 17 games up to this point at when I made these picks. Yeah, we all we all really wish that Ellie De La Cruz could be in the All-Star game just because he's he's one of the greatest young players in, in this game. And I don't know if Ellie De La Cruz is going to be able to maintain what he's done so far. We have seen this at times where hitters come out, come up from the minors and sort of take the league by storm for a few weeks. And then, you know, eventually pitchers familiarize themselves with the hitter and their weaknesses and start attacking those zones with, with those pitches a little bit more and, and guys take a step back and LA De La Cruz is one of the more strikeout prone hitters in the league, I think. So I, I do think there might be some regression in store there, but you can't take anything away from what he's done so far and the electric moments that he has brought uh, to Cincinnati already. I mean, what a, what an incredible young player for them to build around. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the All-Star game as like this is a part <laughs> of the what you're talking about is putting people in the fans want to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like Ellie De La Cruz. He's an All-Star reserve or a replacement for someone who gets hurt. I guess they've uh, they've played him more at third base maybe than they have at shortstop with Matt McLean yeah. at shortstop. So maybe third base would be uh, sort of his his primary position. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I would I would think he's played way too few games to get that kind <laughs> of consideration. But we've seen some pretty crazy things over the years uh, in terms of the All Star game and how the rosters shake out. And Matt, shout out to Matt McLean. He is also having a very good year. He's one of the other shortstops yeah. that I had in this group. Um, outfield. Okay, so it's Ronald Acuna Jr., it's Corbin Carroll, and it's Mookie Betts. Those are the three. I did differ on one of these. All right. I Yeah, I also... Um, I also differed on on one of these. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and say mine. I had Juan Soto in there over Mookie Betts. Uh, but I didn't feel particularly strongly about that, frankly. I think Juan Soto yeah. or Fernando Tatis Jr., I think you could also make a, a case there. That was um, who I had. Yeah. And my my biggest thing with Fernando Tatis was just, um, you know, the suspension coming into the season. It felt like, you know, that's not exactly serving your, your team well. Uh, and so if, you know, if two guys are close, then maybe I would veer away from his direction. But, like, on a per-game like per plate appearance sort of perspective, Fernando Tatis, I mean, he might be the best outfielder probably outside of Ronald Acuna in, in the National League. He's really been incredible since he came back for them. Yeah, I think Acuna and Carroll are slam dunks. And the third yeah. one, you could go in a number of different directions. Mookie, Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. And then the other guy who's actually with them, but I don't think would have ever started above them, is Lane Thomas. Yeah. 
Yeah, Lane Thomas. Yeah, the D-backs have played a couple series. They played both of their series against the Nationals already. And Lane Thomas has done some serious damage against the Diamondbacks in those games. He has like a 1,200 OPS against lefties or something (laughs) ridiculous like that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals move him at the trade deadline. I'm sure a contender would would love to have a, a piece like that. But yeah, I don't I don't think he's necessarily up that with uh, up there with those other guys, but he absolutely is is deserving of some love and I guess the Nationals they need a representative, so uh not impossible that Lane Thomas would be that guy. Designated hitter went to JD Martinez. I had someone else. You had someone else. I I also had someone else. I I remember doing this. I originally put JD Martinez cuz that just kind of felt right. And then I dug deeper and I landed on Jorge Soler, my ultimate choice. Is that was that what you had? No, I actually have a Cub, which is shocking. You have a Cub. I have Christopher Morel. Interesting. Okay. Christopher Morel in thirty six games, thirteen home runs, thirty RBI, one more player, two eighty five, nine sixty nine OPS. He has been the best player on that team, and he didn't even start the season in the major leagues. He didn't come up till May 9th or something like that. And the impact that he's had on that team in a a very small amount of time uh, has been very felt. For whatever reason, David Ross, and he said said when he brought him up, I don't (laughs) see a fit for him to play. Yeah. Uh, I would go, I went with Christopher Morel. I think the Solaire pick's a good one as well. Yeah, so Morales played 38 games at this point, uh, 260. Yeah, I mean, he's slugging almost 600. Uh, the power has been absolutely insane. Uh, his strikeout rate is pretty dang high. So I'm, I, I guess I maybe yeah. maybe the Cubs are kind of looking at a number like that and just how much swing and miss there's been. And there are some, some red flags for them moving forward. But yeah, I mean, if you, like, if you could scale up what Christopher Morrell has done in those 38 games to the whole first half of the season... I, I mean, yeah, I think he's probably been the best DH in the National League. Jorge Soler, I guess for me, yeah. just kind of a good combination of of things. He hasn't played, or he's played in almost every game. He's played in 77 games for them, 323 played appearances. Um, and yeah, he's hitting 247, 347 on base, 520 slugging percentage. I think his numbers just barely inch out uh, J.D. Martinez, who's had a really good year for the Dodgers, but yeah, Christopher Morrell deserves more love. Absolutely. Uh, I know there are, I, I know we have a sister company in, in Chicago, CHGO covers the Cubs and the White Sox. And I've heard uh, a lot from them about how Cubs fans have not been so happy about the way that Christopher Morrell has been handled this year. A lot of people over there seem to think he deserves a lot more playing time than he's gotten. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just amazing. It's weird to me, especially when your team really isn't that good. Why why block a young player who's the best player on the team right now? Yeah. Yeah. So you can play Eric Hosmer and uh Trey Mancini. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. No, that doesn't even it even if you do see some red flags with like, oh, we think this guy might have too much swing and miss or something in his game, while while he's hitting, like while he's hot, you you just ride that hot hand, right? Uh, I I again if your other options like you just said are Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, you know, whatever other depth pieces they have over there. It, it really doesn't make any sense to me to go to those guys. All right, Jesse. So let's run through the American League. Uh, Jonah Heim, the Texas Rangers, he gets his first all-star start 
And I got to say, I like this pick here. I think they nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty much Jonah Heim or Adley Rushman, both of whom are have been incredible uh, this season. I think Adley Rushman has had a strong year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Jonah Heim has just been sort of the complete package for, for the Texas Rangers. He has 55 RBI, which I'm sure you appreciate being a, <laughs> being a big RBI guy. And, I'm not uh, a big RBI guy. I just like, I like it when guys hit with runners in scoring position and hit with guys on base. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, like but, you, you like, like it has value to you. Whereas like some people in the analytics community, like RBI has zero meaning at all at this point. Like uh, you. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like me. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember when the Diamondbacks played the Rangers, um, they had a, a little, little two gamer in Texas about a month or two ago. And, uh, and yeah, Jonah Heim had like this incredible series and I had absolutely no idea who he was. And, you know, here he is at the all-star break with an OPS right around 800 playing pretty solid defense. Uh, you know, in the, in the long run, I'd probably still have, I'd rather have Adley Rutschman like right. on my team. Uh, but for this year, in terms of what they've accomplished in the first half, I think Jonah Heim is, is the clear choice here. Yeah. Uh, well done fans uh now the, the rangers fans did get a number of their guys in and we'll talk about that at first base however we've got yandy diaz from the tampa bay rays thumbs up or thumbs down jesse yeah i've got a thumbs up there uh d-backs just uh, wrapped up a series with uh with the tampa bay rays and uh and yeah i mean yandy diaz it did yandy diaz things he's kind of just come out of nowhere this year and he's been a productive player for the rays in the past but never never quite this level of player uh for this long through 22 407 uh, he's slugging 521 on the season uh and looking at fan graphs wins above replacement he's right there at the top of the list for first baseman in the american league so i think uh, i think this one's pretty much a slam dunk for me yeah same for me uh, if I'm going to shout out a couple other guys, I mean, there are a handful of first basemen that are having very good years in the American League. Vladdy Jr., Nathaniel Lowe, Anthony Rizzo, Ty France, and Josh Naylor. Naylor, of course, with his 57 RBI. <laughs> <laughs> I, fig I figured you'd like that. The moment I was looking down the list, I'm like, oh, he's definitely going to shout out Josh Naylor. Uh <laughs> They've needed them in Cleveland. They're not scoring a lot of runs. Yeah, yeah, and he's really, like, I think he's really come on strong the last couple weeks because I, I don't think Josh Naylor got off to a particularly strong no. start no, no, this no. year for, for Cleveland. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, it's it's still, like we've said with some of the other positions, it's maybe a little bit of a weaker class than, than you're used to seeing. Uh, Vladdy Jr., I know you gave him a shout-out. He's been good but not great not not necessarily like the elite hitter that you you maybe expect him to be so uh yeah i think i think diaz is is the clear-cut choice here even though he's not not a name that that people would necessarily be familiar with and i gotta say about rbi is i'm not like big 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 rbi i just think that i don't want to entirely ignore rbi um, yeah. So I think I value it more than other people do. And I actually think my take is that back in the Moneyball days, RBI was highly overvalued. And sure. now I think it's slightly undervalued. I think having the ability to be a clutch, it, it, it 
it's not the only way. We've got lots of other ways that we can do it, but it's the simplest, most understandable way for a, a fan to understand how a player might hit in clutch situations. And I don't mean clutch in the ninth inning, but in terms of, hey, there's a guy on second base and we need a hit. This guy, he does it pretty good. He's, he drives yeah. both ends. Yeah, I mean, kind of like I was saying earlier, I, I I don't necessarily view it like the fact that Naylor has 58 RBI and, and Yandy Diaz has 38. I, I'm not necessarily like, oh, well, in the second half, that means that Naylor will have, you know, 20 more than Diaz again, just yeah. as he did in the first half. But there is a very real element of like, in order to win games, you do need guys to drive in runs. And if we're evaluating what's happened in the past rather than, just like trying to predict the future, which is what I think a lot of the analytics people are usually trying to do, uh, then yeah, like you'd rather have the guy who drove in 58 runs than the, the guy who had drove in 38 runs. Obviously, you know, how many opportunities they had and, and all that stuff comes into yeah. play as well. But I think it's pretty clear that Josh Naylor has been exceptionally valuable in those situations. It's not like the, the Cleveland Guardians have, you know, crazy amounts of traffic on the bases all the time. So yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I hear what you're saying for sure. Yeah. It, at second base, it is Marcus Semien getting the start. So he's the second of several Texas Rangers who will be playing in this All-Star game. Uh, starting in this All-Star game, I should say. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. I, it's yeah. not even close, yeah, honestly. Uh, Fangraph's war has Marcus Semien at 3.2. And the next highest is Brandon Drury at 1.8. He's almost doubled up the next highest guy. So... Uh, yeah, Marcus Semien, kind of an unsung uh, star in this game. I know the uh, the Texas Rangers paid him very handsomely a couple of years ago. Some people were pretty critical of that, but he's delivered. I mean, he's been pretty much exactly what uh, I think they've they've hoped for. And I'm glad you mentioned Brandon Jury because Semien is the runaway. If I was picking a second, I would pick Brandon Jury, and I think that's a testament to the success that this former Arizona Diamondback utility <laughs> player has found late in his career. It is impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people in Arizona were pretty excited about Drury when he first came up. Uh, just, you know, kind of a gritty, gritty kind of a guy just seemed to to make the most of the skill set that he had. And he came up at age 22. I mean, which there's there's obviously some value in that and when guys make it to the big leagues that early you feel like the, the ceiling there might be relatively high and uh yeah i mean the d-backs traded him and uh, he really struggled uh with the yankees struggled with a, a few other teams over the years but these past couple of seasons he's really uh found his way as not like an elite hitter a guy who will probably never walk quite as much as you'd like him to but really productive like he slugged 492 uh, last year and he's slugging 505 this year like there's a pretty decent pretty decent amount of power for a guy who, who plays a decent second base yeah he's a good player i mean he, it's a nice little story uh going out going out to his hometown team and he could be a reserve we'll see yeah yeah i think he deserves it third base will be josh young did you have josh young starting it in the all-star game 
I did not have Josh Young. I think I think Jose Ramirez is yes. probably the clear the clear choice there. And I know you're a big Jose Ramirez big, fan, and big un- under Jose guy. understandably so. I mean, the, <laughs> the man is the man has walked more than he's struck out this year. He didn't get off to a great start, but now he's basically just having a normal Jose Ramirez the year, and should probably be getting some MVP votes. And is uh, just kind of doing. I saw he stole home. I don't know if that was today or yesterday. Oh, I missed that. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, those are the oh. kinds of crazy things yeah. that, that Jose Ramirez <laughs> brings to a like, baseball field. You know what's funny is you said that, and I wasn't like, he stole home. What? I'm like, oh yeah, of course he did. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, just just an incredible player, and like I've said for so many other guys, I and mean, plays in Cleveland, maybe doesn't get quite as much notoriety as he deserves, but. Uh, he's really been incredible and no disrespect to Josh Young. He's really been outstanding in what I believe is his rookie season, but there's yeah, really no comparison yep. here for me. Yeah. And then uh, Matt Chapman is the other guy who is kind of in the hunt here, but Jose yeah. Ramirez is, I mean, you mentioned it the day I met you was at a Diamondbacks guardians exhibition game right before the start of the season. And <laughs> we were down there on the field and I was watching Jose take BP and it's it's probably the best BP that I've seen live, where I was just so impressed with how this guy was slapping the ball all over the field um, and doing it from both sides of the play as a switch hitter. I mean, he is a great, great player. Uh, I think this is a shame that he wasn't even a finalist. I know there's the whole Cleveland thing, but it just goes to show that this guy is perhaps the most underrated star in this sport. Yeah, he's he's just such a, you know, people talk about like a professional hitter, you know, guys who can just kind of spray line drives all over the place and don't strike out too much and have good play discipline. And, he, you know, he plays a pretty decent third base, too. So, he I mean, he just checks all of the boxes yeah. and what you'd want at third base. So, Corey Seager gets the nod at shortstop. I will say, however, when I was making my list, I had two guys in front of him because Seager has only played 46 games. Now, when I say that, look, I did pick Christopher Morrell after only playing 36 games. However, <laughs> there was no one at that designated hitter that I was just like, yep, that guy's an all-star. I was most impressed with Christopher Morrell's 36 games. I thought that he was playing like a true star, whereas you had had Jorge Soler. And yeah, if you want to go off that rule of games played, which is something I most of the time go off of. Um, in this particular instance, like if Seager was in the National League, I'd probably start him at shortstop here. Yeah, but, I would too. I mean, he's been more valuable in those 47 yeah, exactly. or whatever games it is than other guys have been in 80 games. So yeah, exactly. that's a great way to put it. He's been more valuable in, at the time I made this 46 games than um, most guys are in 70 games. But there are two shortstops that I did have in front of Seager that I think um, have been the best two shortstops in baseball this season. Yeah, I had I had Bo Bichette. Or is that is that a direction you're going here? I man, I was between him and Wander Franco. Okay. And one the way that there are two things that I ended up picking Franco is Franco stolen twenty two more bases. Sure. And the DRS is. A 12 DRS versus a 2 DRS. So um, I just think that 
he's impacting the game more on the base paths and in the field than Bichette is. And I actually was thinking about stolen bases recently. Is there Mm. any kind of OPS alternative that factors in stolen bases? You know, it's funny you ask that because I, I think it was no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but I want to say it was uh, John Boy, you know, Jimmy. Uh, I think he tweeted out literally like yesterday or the day before um, about like what it would be like to develop a stat like that. And he yeah. like threw a formula out there and, and created leaderboards. It was basically like an alternative slugging percentage where for every stolen base, you add a total base. And then for every caught stealing, you subtract one. So like if you single, but and then you steal second, then you'd get credit for two total bases. If you single and you get you get caught trying to steal second, then that would just be a zero. Uh, yeah. you, you'd cancel out that total base that you got going to first. So I think it's a little bit flawed because right. it sort of places equal value on like the base you steal and the base that that is lost when you get caught. Like it's not... There's a reason that teams are not okay with with base dealers who are successful 50% of the time. You need like you need to be successful significantly more often than you're not. So I don't think it's a perfect idea, but um, but I, I, it's a good concept of like, yeah, we should come up with some sort of stat that factors this stuff in because uh, you know we love to look at base stealing stats, but. They, they're not necessarily factored into some of the other more traditional offensive numbers the way that they should be. Yeah, I think that we we have to – it'd be cool if we came up with some type of alternative. I didn't know that that John Boy had tweeted that out. Uh, like I said, been out of commission the last couple of days, uh, not really been on the Twitter machine as much lately. But <laughs> I will say that, I mean, if a guy, like you said, draws a walk, and then steal second and third, that's not a triple, but it functions the same way that a triple would, except not, no, I shouldn't say that because there's nobody, you're not, uh, I should say a hit and then steal second, steal third. And technically extra base hit means typically guys are going to, there's a greater chance. If he hits a single, a guy on first base isn't scoring. So it's not, you can't say it's the exact same thing, but in a lot of ways it can be like, Hey, this guy just had a hit and he stole second base. So basically he had a double. Yeah. depending on like the timing and yeah. like the, the context of the situation, it basically could function as a triple, I guess if it was like leading off an inning um, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. You'd take the triple over the single, the two stolen bases. But yeah, I, I do wish uh, that when I saw that tweet from, from John boy, it kind of got, got the wheels turning on what what would it look like to make a stat that does that better should we should we kind of use their idea of you know accounting stolen bases as total bases but then uh make it so it like counts against you times three or something like that when you're caught just to sort of factor in the the weight of a caught stealing and how much that actually hurts you um that that would be really interesting to dig into and kind of see how it would affect our view of some of the top hitters in the game. Cause yeah, I mean, for me, the reason I went with Bo Bichette here is, you know, compare batting averages. It's 323 for Bo Bichette, 282 for Franco, uh, Bo Bichette, 351 on base, 344 for Franco, and then uh, 510 versus 452 slugging percentage. Like across the board, 
Bouchette has been a better hitter. But yeah, I mean, when when you factor in stolen bases and you know Franco's walking more too, there's there's a little bit more of a of an argument to be had there. Well, and also the DRS. In yeah. Too. Yeah, Franco's a better. He's been a better overall player this year. I just sort of went back on my yeah. on my whole like yeah, but you know it's the All Star game. People want like <laughs> the big bats. They want you know the three twenty batting average. So we'll give him Bo Bichette. But it, I I really could have gone either way on that. I could have gone either way. This one was very very close for me. I didn't feel strongly about either one, uh, but I would have put I think both above Corey Seager. Corey Seager's batting three forty nine in forty at the time when I did these he played forty six games like. Chances are when he gets up to 70 games, he's not batting 349. If he is, I'll be highly, highly impressed. Um, so I, I I would have put them both above Seeger. Yeah, Seeger was coming into the year one of the one of the names I heard most as guys who would benefit from the yeah. shift restrictions, uh being a left-handed hitter and just how many like pole side ground balls and line drives he he hit. I remember that in in his days with the Dodgers. It, I mean, he's just kind of a a line drive polling machine. And uh, you, I mean, you've definitely seen the effects of of that this year. When he's healthy, I mean, he might be as good as any other shortstop in baseball. He's he's that good. So we move along to the outfield, and we have Randy Arozarena, Aaron Judge, and Mike Trout. Uh, any differences of opinion from how the fans voted? So I have Luis Robert and I yes. have Jordan, Jordan Alvarez along with Randy Arozarena. That's that's my three. Yeah, so I also went Arozarena and I did not have Trout in and I did not have Judge in. And the reason for Judge is I, I do think this is actually a pretty crowded group. There are a lot of really good outfielders. It was difficult to come up with just three. I think Arozarena definitely the top one. So I had him in judge though, has not played a whole lot of games and he's going to be injured. Uh, so yeah, to me, I'm just kind of like, okay, he's definitely not playing for a long time. Do we have to vote him into the all-star game? Like, do we have, I mean, if he had played, <laughs> I mean, if he just got injured right now, then I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we'll vote him into the all-star game. But I mean, sure. He hasn't, he really hasn't played in, in almost a month now and he's not going to be able to play in this game so i just don't see the point of i I see the point i just don't agree with it i vote i just put someone else in who's healthy yeah i'm with you i I think the class is strong enough that we don't really need to, to you know put a guy in there who's only started 49 games this season uh yeah luis robert doing incredible things he's the fan graphs leader in war uh, among all outfielders. So he definitely deserves to be in there. Randy Rosarina, uh, you know, on base percentage over 400. I think you could make a case. He's the most valuable offensive player, or at least has been the most valuable offensive player uh, out of this group outside of Aaron judge and, and probably Jordan Alvarez. I guess Jordan Alvarez just kind of doing his thing. I mean, he just kind of slugs 600 in his sleep at this point, And that's just sort of who Jordan Alvarez is. He's also missed some games this year. Um, but, uh, you know, just the, the quality of, of production when he is on the field was, was enough for me to put him in there. The other name I should probably mention is Adelise Garcia, uh, who's had a really good year, 
uh, I guess yeah. uh, for you being the, being the big RBI guy, sixty-six <laughs> RBI in the first half of the season. I mean, he's on he's on pace for like close to, if not a forty home run, one hundred thirty RBI season, which is not something you see very often. Certainly not. Uh, I went with Luis Robert as my second guy as well. And I actually went with Austin Hayes. Interesting. Third guy. Yeah. Austin Hayes, best batting average in this group. Uh, let's see. The power numbers aren't really there though. Um, really I mean, it's, not. A, it's yeah. decent. I mean, slugging around slugging 498, but yeah, I guess yeah. eight homers, like the counting stats aren't as great. 868 OPS, 356 OBP. Um, both of the Boston outfielders were interesting to me, Verdugo and Yoshida. But it's you know what's actually really interesting is Verdugo has nine defensive runs saved this year. Uh, wow. That was surprising to me, but I also don't entirely trust. Like, for me, I'm more of an eye test kind of guy as it comes to outfield defense than DRS because I think DRS in the outfield is sometimes not the most – uh, it's not. It's not the most reliable defensive metric. No builders. No, I mean defensive metrics in baseball in general still kind of suck. Right. Um, no, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like outs above average. Uh, the new stat casting. Yeah. Uh, I I generally just kind of, you know, if both DRS and OAA are high for a player, then they're probably pretty good at defense, and if they're both low then they're probably bad. And if they're both kind of somewhere in, in between or one's positive and one's negative, then I'm like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> kind of inconclusive. It's pretty hard to say. Well, um, yeah. So I who'd you have as your number three? I'm sorry. You had a Rosarena, Robert, and who is third? And Jordan Alvarez. Oh, was, yes. Was the you other know guy. what? I With Alvarez, I here's why I did not have Jordan in this spot was let's see, do I have it here? I thought I had it pulled up. Jordan Alvarez. He's hurt right now. He's, 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 uh, he's out with an oblique injury at the moment, but he's also only played 22 of his games in left field. 57 of them have been at DH or sorry, 22 of 57 games. So true. 35 games at DH. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to say my thinking was that, uh, I'd have to go back and double check, but I want to say that the way that the balloting was done, I think that Alvarez was listed as an outfielder. Yeah. Oh, you're um, right. He was. Yeah. So I think I just kind of put him in that group because that's the way that MLB had him listed. But I fully agree with you. That's a little weird because he's been a DH like three quarters of the time and he's not <laughs> particularly good in the outfield. He's right. kind of as bad as always been the calling card. So uh, yeah, that probably would make more sense. I saw him murder a baseball in Chicago uh, about a month ago when they were playing the White Sox. And it was one of those where it just sounds different off his bat compared to other people. It was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crushed that thing. He's incredible. Great player. Okay. DH, Otani. No <laughs> debates here. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, Jack. I think we have to have a conversation here. I don't know if uh let's see who we got. Uh maybe uh you know Justin Turner's had a good year. 
you know, you like what you've seen from Brent Rooker <laughs> over in Oakland. Uh, no, yeah, I, I show Hey Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, where I had him. Yeah, all yeah. the stats he probably should. He, you know, if we're going by that, he is on the ballot for outfield. And then I probably would take him over Austin Hayes this year, but I sure. just I was confused because I was like he he's more of a DH. So, um, but Alvarez is having a great year. Otani, it was easy. All right, let's run through these once more. The National League. Here are my all stars. Okay, I got. Sean Murphy, Freddie Freeman, Luis Arias, Ryan McMahon, Luis Perdomo, uh, or sorry, what's his name? Perdomo? Her- Geraldo. 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 I think Perdomo, Luis yeah. Perdomo was a was a pitcher, right? Like kind of, I remember him yeah. with the Padres a little yeah. bit. I don't know where he is right now. <laughs> Geraldo Perdomo, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Corbin Carroll, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Christopher Morel. And you have for your national league go ahead <laughs> real quick i just have to say that i'm pretty sure in a spring training game this year uh there was a pa announcer that announced geraldo perdomo as luis perdomo <laughs> <laughs> made that, made that exact same mistake this guy is not a well-known player people still have not figured out who he is uh but my my starting nine are sean murphy at catcher freddie freeman at first base luis arias at second jd davis at third geraldo perdomo at short and then the outfield in any any order, uh, Juan Soto, Corbin Carroll, Ronald Acuna Jr., and then I have Jorge Soler DHing. It's a good squad. I I think I'd take your squad over my squad if they played each other. <laughs> that means I win, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I mean, yeah. Uh, in Luis Perdomo, he last pitched last season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. I think I remember him with the Brewers too. Yeah. So he, it doesn't look like he's pitched this year. Um, sad for Luis Perdomo. American League. I've got Jonah Heim, Yandy Diaz, Marcus Semien, Jose Ramirez, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena, Austin Hayes, Luis Robert, and Shohei Otani. All right. I have, I have Jonah Heim, Yandy Diaz, Marcus Semien, Jose Ramirez, Bo Bichette, Luis Robert, Jordan Alvarez, Randy Rosarina, and then Shohei Otani. So we're 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 pretty pretty close there in the American League. Yeah, pretty close. Um, Jesse, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for your time today, man. This was great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, Jack. I, I hope uh, and I don't have any fun, you know, reality TV stories to share <laughs> or anything. But uh, not yet. You you don't not yet. You still yeah. That's true. I'm still I'm still young and I'm sure it's only a matter of time before, you know, their their recruiters come come knocking on my front door. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be ready. And after appearing on this show, I'll be expecting that anytime soon. I, I expected that <laughs> to come. So we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> Jesse actually didn't respond to my text messages for like a couple weeks at one point. And it was because he had his phone taken from him. We were shooting like X on the beach or some right. show. Exactly. That's <laughs> correct. I can confirm that. <laughs> uh, okay, so he is Jesse Friedman. He's over at PHNX. Jesse, give yourself a uh, give the listeners a chance to get a rundown of what you're working on over there and how they can follow along and check out your work. 
Yeah, I've, if any of you happen to be interested in the Arizona Diamondbacks, which very well might not be the case, uh, but they have they have had a good season and it's been uh, fun covering them this year. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jesse N. Friedman. That's J-E-S-S-E, the letter N, and then F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. Uh, you can also uh, find my written work on our website over at gophnx.com. PHNX, if you're confused, is basically Phoenix without the vowels. It's how we how we name things uh, over over at our company so go phnx.com that's where you can find my written stories about the d-backs and then the majority of what we do uh, our show is sort of like this we do five diamondbacks podcasts every week uh, you can listen to them on any audio podcasting app uh, and you can also watch all of our shows and some other fun stuff over on our youtube channel which is phnx sports so be sure to find us over there uh subscribe we'd love to I'd love to have you on board and uh, maybe see you in the comments for one of our live shows yeah. if, you, uh, if you're able to able to swing by. Yeah, make sure you guys check it out. They do a great job over there. Jesse does a great job. Um, Jesse, is there anything else that we didn't touch on today that you want to bring up? You want to talk about? I'm I'm a, I'm just excited for for the All Star Game, man. Yeah. As of about two hours ago, it's pretty much been determined that I will be there. So oh. I will be in in Seattle, uh, able to see everything in person. I attended the uh, home run derby and the futures game in cleveland back in 2019 so i've gotten a little like so bit of a taste ago. uh yeah that was pre-covid that was like yeah. an eternity ago um <laughs> but yeah i got my first taste then and uh it was it was super fun i was just there as a fan uh at that point but now being back uh getting to cover it as a journalist and especially documenting corbin carroll and uh, his return to seattle he's from seattle that's where he grew up that's where his family is uh you know him being a rookie starting in the all-star game for the national league is a really incredible story so i'm excited to just sort of follow corbin carroll around for uh for a couple days in in seattle and uh, hopefully be able to share his story with uh with all of our followers man you are gonna have so much fun uh, I've always wanted to go to the All Star Game. Don't look, doesn't look like I'll be making it this year, but uh, make sure you guys are following Jesse. So Jesse, uh, if you you may have done it already, but if in case you haven't or if you did, you want to throw out your social media handles. Yeah, the social media is uh, Twitter is is the main one. Uh, I'm at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, we also have an account for our work covering the Diamondbacks. That's at PHNX underscore Dbacks. Uh, we have we have a lot of fun over there. There's memes and all sorts of ridiculousness. So uh, yeah, you can you could give us a follow over there if you're interested in in having your feed. Uh, taken over by a bunch of Diamondbacks memes and inside jokes that you may or may not understand, uh, but it's a it's a good time. So uh, uh, the follow is is well worthwhile in my opinion. Jesse, thank you so much for your time today, man. Uh, we'll have to check in later in the season. Sounds good, Jack. Appreciate you. All right, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Jesse Friedman. Great talking some baseball, some All Star stuff, and uh, I'm certain we'll have more content coming out soon probably we'll do a little bit of maybe we'll do a home run derby draft next week uh and we can also we'll talk about the all-star game we'll see how things shake out um make sure you guys if you guys enjoyed today's show make sure you are subscribed to the jack vita show on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube wherever it is that you get your podcasts and recently i've been having difficulty with my facebook account so 
lately people have not been seeing my posts. I've been in contact with Facebook trying to get that sorted out. That limits our reach on this podcast. So if you guys want to help us out, share it on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is actually our top traffic source. So if you guys want to share this podcast episode or any future episodes that you enjoy in your Facebook feed, that's a way that we can work around this uh, weird technical difficulty that we're having right now. Um, We'll be back again soon. Uh, I will post who I will be having on uh, our next episode on social media. Maybe I'll just drop it. We'll see. Uh, Until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.